Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 14 of Unscripted Equity Curiosity. In this episode, we have the second half of our conversation with Hedgeye's sector head for cannabis and restaurants and staples, Howard Penny, the great Howard Penny. And in this conversation, we'll be focused on restaurants and the opportunity for recovery in a market with reduced number of restaurants and the scarcity value of the remaining assets. Listen in. Okay, Howard. So the other thing I want to talk about is restaurants. Um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I have some thoughts and I want to run them by you. Okay. Uh, and this is just from my own experience in life, right? Just like living every day. There's a few things I've noticed. One, a lot of restaurants disappeared over the last couple of years. So there's a limited supply a more limited supply than there was before. So that's number one, just observation that seems to have, to me, that seems like the restaurants that survived or that are here today that people go to have some scarcity, you know, value in them or more, a greater scarcity value than before. That's number one. Number two is, uh, and barriers to entry, right? Because like at this point, it's not like you're even, uh, I think even like Dwayne Wade just shut down his restaurant. I think like many, even people with capital or whatever, like are shutting down restaurants. I think it's just one of those things that it, it's seen as a hard thing to do. It is not seen as like the easy low barrier to entry that maybe it was once viewed as. Um, that's observation one. Observation two is that I noticed that in a if I take my family out, whatever, uh, in a place that used to cost us, let's say 80 or $90 for the whole family, including tip is now like closer to like 140. <laughs> Um, same meal. So I'm wondering, like, are these things good for the restaurant industry? Like, are you bullish on kind of like a lengthened reopening oh. barriers to entry? No. Okay. Tell me why, why is that? No. Why is that top down view incorrect? Well, so uh, it, it, when you have that deep of an increase in price, right. That we've been seeing in the last couple of years, you are going to change consumers buying patterns and habits and where they go. Right. You might have had your favorite restaurant who has gone out of the business because of the pandemic, right. And obvious reasons, but the, the industry first off is a notoriously low margin business and extremely difficult to execute. Like you have to love the industry to be an independent restaurant operator and operate in this industry because people will, if you serve them a bad meal, they'll treat you like shit and won't come back, right? So you have to execute every time. And and if you don't execute on time, you have to give away a free meal so you get people to come back so they remember your restaurant, right? So it is a low margin, very difficult industry to operate in. Like you don't want to own a restaurant, frankly. So that's number one. And then number two, it gets back to the pricing. If it gets too expensive and you have a favorite restaurant, you, you know, it's now way too expensive for you, you're going to trade down and find something else. You're going to find your new favorite restaurant that's more affordable, frankly. So it's, and we've never seen, you know, I've been following the restaurant industry 30 years. I have never seen inflation like this ever. Like I, and I don't know, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to eat less? Are everybody going to go on a diet? <laughs> Just everybody going to go to McDonald's and buy, you know, a Big Mac for a couple bucks. It's hard to know what's going to happen. I mean, we're already starting to see, you know, a pretty significant slowdown uh, in, in restaurant transactions. So 
Um, anyway, hey, so hey, it's, Howard, it's just a yeah. So sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. I, I was just curious: yeah. are, are are those restaurant diners um, are they noticing these hidden charges? Because I, I feel I, I've read somewhere where a lot of restaurants have been very creative in hiding these extra costs. Maybe like um, in terms of line items that they put out. Um, I, I wonder if there's already been complaints from the diners from what so, you've been hearing. So you hear, so what happens is, you know, people don't complain. They just change their ordering pattern, right? Or in order. So what you start to see, and so what people, where people raise prices, there's going to be, you know, if you have your big menu item that people that you're known for, right? If it's a pasta dish or it's a steak or it's a hamburger or whatever, you're not going to raise the price of that too much, right? You might raise that, you know, 50 cents, 75 cents, but you're going to go and raise a Coke or an iced tea or, you know, your beverage or your, your appetizer or your dessert. You're going to raise those prices much more aggressively. To, to make up for because people don't necessarily not everybody orders a dessert or an entree right but they're i mean a dessert or an appetizer but they're going to order their favorite entree right so you can you can you can raise your prices on items which is a little more discreet than taking your most important entree up so there's ways of doing it but I, but people in this environment and this is what will this is what we're going to hear I think on the this upcoming earnings season calls is changing behavior patterns of people ordering less entree, uh, ordering less appetizers, and ordering less desserts, and maybe not ordering you know less alcohol, frankly, or something like that. So it's more of it's just you see it in patterns than you do people just outright complaining because who are you going to complain to, right? <laughs> just because they'll just say you read about inflation, right? So. So you're, but in the data you're already seeing, you were saying like a big slowdown. Um, is that like April year over year, or is that like what? Where, which 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 like which kind of like what's? Oh, no, it's June. It really started at the. It's really started in the middle of May and accelerated into June. Yeah. So it's now just starting because there's still a lot of cash in the system, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you haven't. And and the biggest problem. For a, from a restaurant industry, so you know, sort of over a fifty-year period, you, you know, you can measure people's eating, how much they spend on on food. Typically, your food away from home, and food away from home is typically five percent of disposable income. And if you've got people, so that's why when we, if you know, if we start to see more and more job losses because of the wealth destruction, uh, then that's when the industry is going to run into a big problem because that's when your incremental demand slows with job losses because of just the nature of what how people will spend their money when they lose their job. They'll go out to eat less because they don't um, have the disposable Yeah. Yeah, right. That that that. So that's ahead, basically. Is like there's going to be the that's coming. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But although the, although I guess like the ones who survive this because there are fewer restaurants, um, you don't think that there's some kind of like scare for those who survive this coming whatever's coming this soon. I mean, what a tough business, right? Like the like the crap that they've had to go through the last two years. They're finally finally breathing fresh air over the last six months and now like heading right back into it with inflation and demand destruction and, and slow down, like just terror. Right. Well, they never really got out. They, they never really got out of it. 
Right. The independents, right? The independent restaurants never really like, you know, there, if you read, a, so in this last, I forget what the bill was, um, the government just passed to provide incremental funding. The restaurant industry was looking for funds for independent restaurants and they got denied by the government. So they're still looking for rescue monies and the government's not giving it to them. So there's a lot of independent restaurants that never really got out of the, the, the plague that was COVID. Yeah, a lot of these things are going to go away. The it'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean, even something like like a standard, like a cheesecake factory, is is the stock is like in half from like its 2016 high, right? It's it's um it's pretty interesting that the industry has just been like terrible for a, a number of years already. Um, what do you think would take to get like to be more bullish on on the sector like what do, what, what do we have to go through like i guess demand destruction then the restaurants have to like re-lower price i guess or something like that to stimulate demand no they never do uh-huh. you can't so ever lower your price so it's just more like it's just more like consumers getting used to the fact that ice cream is eight dollars instead of three and just it, it, that takes time i remember there was a time uh, when a Starbucks cup of coffee was less than two bucks. Yeah. Like a tall coffee. And right. even that was lambasted, by the way, as like way too expensive, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And I remember I said, I was thinking, okay, when this goes over $2, there's going to be demand destruction because nobody's going to pay $2 for a cup of coffee. Yeah. And guess what? And guess what? <laughs> it went over two and it hasn't looked back and still people are buying coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so you're saying that, 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 the yeah, just, ah, what a tough, tough place to be. Um, but you know, the, the growth of the, uh, cannabis industry should be good for the restaurant industry. I mean, famously, right. You know, what, (laughs) you know, what Peyton Manning, uh, did what investment is a famous thing, but you know what he did when here the Colorado was going to go legal on, on cannabis. He bought, like, he bought like, I don't, know, I don't remember if it was 25 or 50 um, pizza, was it Pizza Hut, local pizza huts or Domino's uh, chain? Or oh, one, of the, nice. one of the pizza chains. He bought 50 locations in, in Colorado um, ahead of that. <laughs> Pretty smart, right? Pretty good derivative thinking. Um, just, uh, yeah, I guess like the two industries probably do go hand in hand, but uh, it still seems like a lot to get through for both of them. Um, Howard, maybe one last question, which is um, kind of like a process question for you. Um, when you when you kind of like try to get to know a new equity, so g- give us like the steps of like, I don't know if you're like in the middle of like, you know, a new deep dive that you're doing right now, but like, you know, what are the, what are the usual, like what are the, what are the things that sway you the most when you're when you're thinking through the puts and takes around something like, is it the model? Is it like the growth rate? Is it the, what, what are like the things that like kind of like get you going usually um, about the opportunity long or short? Um, so my best longs over an extended period of time have finding stocks and I'll use Yum China as that example, because Felix and I just did a, 
deck on Yum China. You want to find a name that is a big brand, in this case, KFC, right, in China, that has been decimated. And, and you know, profitability-wise, comps have been down. People think it's dead. It'll never grow again. You know, competitive pressure, whatever, you name it, right? Those are, are always the best ideas. I mean, McDonald's at one point, people thought it was dead. Starbucks was four bucks when we first started Edgeye, right? Starbucks was four bucks, five bucks, crazy, right? Right. And, uh, and people thought McDonald's was going to put Starbucks out of business. Starbucks is a great business. Um, you know, young brands, you know, I, every restaurant company seems to go through this cycle at some point in its life, right? And you have these big, huge companies that have great brands that generate significant cash flow. And yes, their comps are down and their margins are down. But, you know, as soon as people give up for dead a concept or a company, that's when you start digging in and you try to understand, you know, what went wrong, you know, what their capital allocation issues, you know, you know, in the case of Starbucks, it was growing too fast, right? And it had to slow down its growth. So those are typically the, the best longs. You want to find where there's been the most destruction in inequity and people are giving up on it, frankly. And and that's young China today. That's it's you know, it's an eighteen billion dollar company, right? That has has ten thousand stores in China, can have twenty thousand stores down the road, you know, serving billions of people. They've got three hundred million. 300 million loyalty members at KFC. Like that's bigger than the population of the United States of loyalty members. You think this company's going away <laughs> or is not going to at some point figure out how to get 300 million people to come back to KFC again in China? And it, and that that's growing, you know, at 15, 20% a year. So, um, you know, you do need a better macro environment in China. And Keith's going to talk about that this afternoon. And Felix has been talking about it for three months, right? But um, so that's kind of what you look for. And then on the opposite side, you look for, you know, that's frankly the exact opposite. Too much enthusiasm. You know, just like people love it for, you know, and will pay anything, you know. And that's usually a growth-oriented stock, you know, that's doing, you know, five, 10, 15% comps, because you know the comps are going to slow. Uh, you just don't want to be too early uh, in that. But it's it's much easier to find a great long where you can get a double or more uh, than it is the shorts. Shorts is really hard because when you have momentum in the restaurant industry and you got the cop by sales and you got the comps, it usually goes on longer and lasts longer than people think. And the same thing with the downturn. When you, when you lost your momentum, it's really hard to get it back. Um, but th those are kind of the way I think about the names. That's awesome. Do you, do you ever, do you, do you do like your own kind of like store visits and stuff to like, see, you know, like, oh my God, this, this place, you know, this is really going downhill or wow, this place, they just refreshed the menu and, and redid the floors and whatever. And it's going much better. Or is that just totally situational yeah. to the branch and it really doesn't read across and everything else? I mean, you used to, it's funny, you don't need to, because of the internet, you don't have to like do that anymore. Right, right. <laughs> you, can, you can figure it out, right? And, and, and social media is so important for the restaurant industry. Like, uh, you know, when if, if a restaurant brand gets in trouble on Twitter, you know their sales are going to go down. On the other hand, if they have a new commercial or new advertisement or new promotion and Twitter goes lights up over it, 
sales are going to accelerate. It's really crazy how important social media has become to driving sales in the industry. Do you track, like, do you have like a Twitter tracker for like, you know, mentions? And different... <laughs> I wish I could afford it. I can't afford it. It's so expensive. It didn't like, I thought Tom did something like that not that long ago. Like, you know. We did. We used to have one. There, there are companies out there doing it, but it's, it's really expensive. Uh-huh, interesting. Um, and, and a lot of people, I mean, that was unique five or six years ago. It's not as unique today, right? Um, and, and you can, and you know, there's that relationship and you can see it. You, know, you can just, it's not hard to see when it's happening, either good or bad. But you, and you know, it's going to have an impact. You just, you don't need to spend $100,000 to have someone tell you that, frankly. Got it, got it. Yeah, it's funny. I, I have a different approach. Like I tend to, with this, with my sector, like we tend to think about uh, what companies are, have like some new innovative thing that everybody else is going to need, but it's like really early and the competitive landscape looks manageable. There's always, there's always competition, but uh, looks like it'll be positive uh, competitive landscape um across the time frame and and has a decent enough start with a business model and and unit economics that that it can all work out in the end those are kind of like the home runs uh the multi 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 baggers um and the shorts are often um you know there are the the people that are getting disrupted who are often like they're the medium sized or bigger companies are sitting on a lot of um, legacy tech debt. They can't innovate. They're stuck a little bit. They've got a lot of bureaucracy. They no longer have a founder involved. They're everybody's there just for the paycheck, you know, like people riding out of there on Fridays as fast as possible. Nobody's worried. You're like, wait a minute, if we keep going in this direction, we'll end up. No, don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. We can pay bonuses this year. That's what we care about. If we can't pay next year, we'll all find new jobs. Um, and uh, and then of course there's also lots of like pretenders who are out there using all you know like people learn how to like be a sham and like use all the fake words and show growth that you know is completely in the rearview mirror really not that none of that translates forward. Um, those are the good shorts. Well, um, Howard, uh, it's been a really fun conversation. Um, That's great, Ami. Thank you so yeah. much for uh, yeah. for having me. Really appreciate you coming on um, for this edition of Unscripted Equity Curiosity. And uh, I hope we'll have you on again uh, sometime in the future. And um, uh, and I hope that uh, I hope I speak to you very soon. But if I don't, I hope you have a great July 4th and, uh, All right. and uh, a happy weekend with your family. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at Hedgeye.com slash Terms of Service.